Welcome to another Mondeo. No one gets away with anything. Today with you we are... Jose Rafael Chaneri and... Adriana Lopez. Oh my god. It's been, it's been a long time since we recorded. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since we posted. Yeah. It's a new new era for the podcast. Actually, we haven't posted in a week. So, yeah. You're right. No, never mind. <laughs> it <laughs> is a new era. We have a new direction. Exactly. Ah, ah. You, you see what I did we there? Have, we have better stuff, I think. Yeah, we have some new stuff. My hair is short now. Which is are you, you going to cut it again? I'm going to keep it cut. Yeah, I'm going to keep it short Fair enough. for the future. Pero bueno, este, antes de empezar, queríamos decir algo. Vamos a hablar de un tema súper importante para nosotros, del cual we are experts in this subject, in so that we're sense. we're on our personal experiences. Exactly. O sea, vamos a, we're going to recall a lot of first-hand experience. And so, for documentary purposes, o sea, si en verdad alguien quisiera saber esto para un estudio y... O sea, técnicamente hablando, estamos dando un testimonio cierto. Yeah, okay, if, if we're speaking about ourselves, then yeah. Yeah, we're talking about our experiences, but <laughs> we're not professionals. O sea, no, ninguno de nosotros está, eh, es profesional en esto, eh, en los temas que vamos a hablar ahorita. Eh, hay muchas personas, eh, y hay un documental que les vamos a recomendar al final del, de, de este episodio, que sí son profesionales y que hicieron un trabajo increíble y que se los recomendamos muchísimo eh, si lo quieren ver. Pero, disclaimer, we're not professionals. Mm. We... Uh, are not responsible for anything that you do after listening to this episode. And we hope that if you need help or if you need anything professionally, go look for a professional. <laughs> well, then, do you want to say what we're going to talk about today? No, I don't. Can you, <laughs> can you say it for me? Because <laughs> I don't want to say it. Okay, basically, the idea of this episode came from a need or something that we notice in our daily lives. It's like the amount of times that we are, find ourselves in a situation where we have to explain... ¿Qué está pasando en Venezuela? ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué, ¿Qué está pasando? ¿Qué pasa en Venezuela? Tipo, ¿es really that bad? How did you live there? Can people leave the country? No solo eso, sino que, you know what I find really uh, that bothers me the most is this thing de, tipo, explaining why I'm, me imagino que te pasa lo de, you're very mature because you're, why are you so mature? And it's like, oh, because I lived in Venezuela and that made me grow up a lot. And even like the immature people that we know of in Venezuela are more mature than the immature people sí. in Europe in general. Like, there's really mature people in Europe too. And you know you know them, you can see the way they walk, the talk, it's different. Pero una de las cosas que me pasa es como que en mi entorno personal me toca explicar full Venezuela porque es tipo, ¿por qué eres así? Y que bueno... Where eh, I come from. Sí. But also, o sea, I don't think... O sea, necesariamente... I don't think we're special because of where we come from. I think everyone's special because where they come from. No, of course. Yeah, that's what makes you unique. Pero creo que una de las características más comunes de venezolanos que están en España es que si van a universidades públicas, si trabajan, si son relativamente serios en alguna cosa o si vivieron algo en Venezuela, they're probably more mature than the average Spanish person their age. Porque they had longer um, childhoods than yeah. we did. Por razones obvias. But for, exacto, sí. Pero the thing is, I see that with my other foreign friends. All, yeah, all yeah, of my yeah, friends yeah, yeah. Like, like also well, came. they emigrate exactly. emigrating is, is a big exactly. maturing factor exactly. pero bueno el caso es que eh, nos pasa en nuestro día a día muchísimo que nos preguntan tipo ¿qué pasó en Venezuela? or tipo they tiptoe around Venezuela and they don't want to talk about it because like it's maybe maybe awkward and they don't know where to get the information to like be you know 
politically it's, correct not only politically I, I don't i don't like you can be horribly political with me and i won't mind like mm-hmm. muchos de mis amigos que conocen mucho venezuela hacen chistes super 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 feos <laughs> sobre venezuela y yo me, me río muchísimo porque it's part of the, the the you know pero el hecho de no poder tener una conversación de verdad porque como somos allá they feel like they're completely out of depth sí. tipo es, es como cuando cuando tienes una conversación sobre unión europea you you know a little bit about the European Union. But you don't. But you don't know. Y, ojo, yo estoy estudiando en la Unión Europea ahorita, tipo, tengo una clase en Unión Europea and it's nothing compared to what they know just because they lived here. Mm-hmm. So me imagino que ese es el mismo feeling back. Que es como que, even if this is interesting for me, and even if I, like, studied it once or twice, I've, I don't have a comprehensive, like, idea of what it all. Yeah. Sí. Y muchas veces lo que tienen son como noticias muy generales que don't go into the reality of what sí, we lived. Total. Entonces, esto es un intento de un crash course Venezuelan history eh, modern contemporary Venezuelan history hablarles un poquito no solamente de los hechos que sucedieron porque sucedieron muchas cosas increíbles y eh, otras no tan increíbles eh, sino contarles algunas historias de personas que son cercanas a nosotros de nosotros mismos de vivir en un país como Venezuela y especialmente en estos pe- momentos en específico este, que están bien bien interesantes and we'll start to be brief o sea tampoco nos vamos a pues sí, no. nacional. O sea, we're, we're gonna try to say everything we want to say, which is not sh- little. Yeah, yeah. Tipo, in the most concise way we can. Well, that, bueno. that's gonna be a challenge for us, Exacto. but yeah. <laughs> Let's start by the beginning. O sea, tipo, what, what we want to say is that like we want to tell the story. So, where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Bueno, eh, para muchos eh, es debatible dónde empieza todo. Mm-hmm. Muchas personas dicen eh, en la historia de los, de los expresidentes venezolanos que fueron corruptos algunos, que no manejaron bien el petróleo, etcétera. Pero la mayoría de las personas, si te tuviesen que decir dónde empieza esto, esto empieza eh, en eh, 1998, cuando Chávez ganó las primeras elecciones, y 99, cuando entra al poder. Exacto. Este Es como el momento en el que mm, everything changes. Eh, y creo que antes hubo como muchos indicios sería como el prequel eh, Venezuela prequel de Spren 1999 eh, la, la, la serie de Venezuela empieza tipo la, la temporada que todos tipo que okay, empieza en yeah. exacto Star Wars como 1, 2, 3 Yeah, 1, 2, 3 es 1999 en pe- adelante, en adelante y las demás son antes pero exacto. bueno que, eh, okay. que, que buena que buena manera de ponerlo me encanta <ríe> Entonces, tipo, like, by this time, Chávez comes to power, right? So, like... Why? Well, you can explain that. Okay. uh, You sure you want to explain why he came to power? (laughs) Just go ahead. (laughs) Okay. He came to power basically because, uh, well, la sociedad venezolana estaba un poco dispareja. It was... It was was more... uh, It was an an inequality thing. It was... uh, uh, It was the... First, it was an opportunistic thing. He had the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. He had he came from the right background, so he was of the um, minority in Venezuela who were both angry and dispossessed economically. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he came from part of Venezuela, a very large part of Venezuela, that was having a hard time economically compared to the rest of the country. Like el resto del país, eh, los elite Venezolana was having a, a, an amazing time. They were swimming in money and stuff and they had been politically corrupt for a long time two political parties uh, uh, the uh, Acción Democrática and COPE que no me acuerdo cuál es el, el no sé what the acronym means pero esos dos partidos canibalizaron la política venezolana por mucho tiempo y llegó un punto en el que their corruption led to such disorder that 
something like Chavez could happen. Exactly. Someone like Chavez could come around. Chavez had the legitimacy, the respect, and the charisma needed to like gain the popularity of the majority of people he needed in order to get into power. Right? Yeah. He was a very charismatic leader. He came from very like poor backgrounds. He had a very... Una historia muy conmovedora. Una historia muy conmovedora. Sí, sí, 100%. And that won people's heart. And you think what you feel and what they felt was what they voted. Voila, that's what you get. Yeah, there's a lot of people that voted for him. It's widely said that he never lost an election. Like, he was a very popular figure. And he is the first in a very long line of politicians today that get in through democratic means and use the dem their democratic, the democratic power to undermine democracy itself. Exact. Okay. Well, no, and uh, like the particularities of what he did was like, first, he tried to change the he changed the constitution. He, yeah, he tried to change it by a vote. He lost that vote. Mm -hmm. uh, because he lost it, uh, he got really angry and he tried to do it himself. Uh, he tried again. He lost. The point is, there was, in 2002, there was a couple of, there was an attempt to take him out of power. It failed horribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, Chavez said, like, you know what? I'm going to take the gloves off. And this is no, no longer going to be this, you know, sweet little thing that's going to happen. No, no, this is going to be hard. And he basically took the gloves off and he decided to, you know, pass a new constitution mm -hmm. uh, with all the might of the presidency without taking into consideration any of the other powers, basically. Yeah. So, like, it's called the Constitution of 1999. It's the 26th constitution of the country. Yeah. And... So amongst the things that he did, he basically added one star to the flag. Yeah. He changed the name of the country instead of being uh, Republic of Venezuela. Venezuela. It's like the Republic Bolivariana Venezuela. Yeah. Weird. Um, he changed Bolivar's face. So the Bolivar era el, el prócer de la independencia venezolana. And he basically changed his face so it would be closer to him. Yeah. And then another thing... Is like, you know how every country has like legislative, executive, and um, judicial powers? We have five, right? So we also have the electoral and the moral power. Yeah. Because he decided. I think so we're the only country in the world that has... Five powers? Yeah. I think there's one that has four, but I'm not sure. But uh, I'm pretty sure that the fun thing is that he has... It's, this is genius, by the way. I know. Like, separation of powers is the basis of democracy. So if we have more separation of powers, wouldn't there be more democracy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's what a normal person would think, but you are not thinking diabolically enough. Efectivamente. <laughs> <laughs> Exacto. Um, el punto era que because there's separation of powers, uh, you have three powers and they, you know, balance each other out. If you have five powers and the person who created the last two powers also is a majority winner in both of those sides, mm -hmm. then you have a very, very big majority against a very, very small opposition. So he both created the space for there to be opposition okay in a way that for people who are not you know que no sepan del tema y no sepan que hay cinco poderes dirán como que bueno pero they have a national assembly or they have a judicial branch and, and they would be like no but there should be okay they, they and there's balance and no there, there wasn't any any balance for exactly. a long time and yeah that, that was more like in the constitutional terms of it he also changed like the the position of the horse and the el escudo nacional i don't know how you say that yeah in the, in the national shield he changed the position like, of uh like of he just did too. a bunch of very special things right amongst many others but like unofficially or not necessarily in the constitution he also changed the time zone yeah he changed the time zone of venezuela to a time zone that no other country in the world had yeah because it was 
like half an hour in between the two official time zones. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was basically something that built his cult of personality. Exactly. Okay, so Chavez is wildly known for having a religion to his name. So there's mm -hmm. people that literally pray to him, okay? Um Uh, and you know he he did all these things that are well one of the the best examples and you you talk a lot about this is the eyes mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about them it's like Chavez put himself in the same level as God and he put Bolivar as well yeah it was Jesus that. God and Bolivar exactly so it's like the three most important men the for everyone the Holy Trinity exactly right hence why he changed Bolivar's face because he had the power to do that he wanted to also show that he had the power to change time which is something that only like God someone can superior can do yeah. right and then he had like this thing even after he was dead i think it was even more after he was dead yeah yeah that you had mission vivienda which is basically a socialist project to give um houses Housing. yeah to people who live in the hoods in la favela in los rachos i don't know how you call it in english right so these buildings not only were they horrible but They had, like, in the walls, the Chavez eyes painted in them, along with his signature. So, literally, like, Big Brother's watching you vibes, but, like, yeah. make it real. Yeah, and, then, and you, there's parks, that the stairs to the parks yeah. have his yeah. eyes, and it's creepy as hell. It's some of the more 1984 things that we have in Venezuela. Exactly. He also had, like, this anti-imperialist doctrine, which basically just claimed the power of a nation that's speaking from the voice of a revolution and of the unheard against the big nations trying to oppress us, right? Which is yeah. a beautiful speech. And the other thing is that Chavez had a lot of, uh, he was very strategic with the whole OPEC crisis, okay? For mm -hmm. those of you who don't know, he basically is the reason why in the, two, the early 2000s to late 2000s, he basically... Uh, helped there be a very high price of foreign oil, which brought a lot of money into Venezuela, and with which his he tried to like paint the finger towards mm -hmm. the U.S. You know, very, very emphatically, and like like granted, he did like he mm -hmm. was he, he was hailed through the left wing world because of that, uh, but everything else he did inside the country was just yes, a shit show. And then he had one of the. I think it was the biggest, the highest oil price ever. Ever, ever. He had yeah. huge revenues, but the country relied 95, 97% only in oil revenues, right? So he had like this huge income and flow of money, which translated in him being able to finance a socialist project, which in a normal country is absolutely impossible. While paying off every other country in the world. <laughs> While financing exactly other countries and taking money for themselves, right? But when the, the fantasy is over and the price, the oil prices go back to normal, evidently everything that they'd done before was not sustainable anymore. And there was nothing else to bring them back the revenues that they needed because our economy was so reliant on oil that we did not know how to do anything else. You know, I want to I take a side, uh, an aside at the moment for one second because there's an idea that Venezuela had that is one of the best things that ever happened to Venezuela. And um, it's an idea that uh, Chavez broke down, okay? Sembrar el petróleo. PDVSA. Okay. So PDVSA is the national oil company in Venezuela. So uh, Venezuela was nationalizing in the mid-20th century. It was started nationalizing oil. Uh, it was all controlled by private companies. It was like 90-10. They got mm -hmm. it to 100% control for Venezuelans, okay? But PDVSA was a private company owned by the government. So the... 
people who would make the decisions of the company would be literally the most qualified people in the country. Literally, the most qualified people in the country. And they would make the economic decisions to make that company run to the best market revenue possible. But all of that revenue went to the government and the people. Okay. And it was like the... It's literally some one of the Brilliant. best socialists, well, socially, like, it's one of the best solutions for the spreading of wealth and avoiding inequality in a country that there has been. Actually, the Nordic countries copied this. That's why some of the Nordic countries are really good at this. They copied this idea from, mm-hmm. from, from Venezuela. They are raging capitalists because that company literally is, like, Sweet. controlling part of the world, but it would make it so that the people had enough for everybody to go around. Uh, one of the reasons why a lot of people, I, whenever I have arguments about Chavez, uh, the reason why I dismount most people's arguments is that I explain this and I say, he basically cut that off mm-hmm. and started pouring the tubes that would go to the country. He put them in his pocket like, and in other countries' pockets. Exactly. And I think that's the true crime of the Venezuelan, Chav- the Chavista regime. It's amongst, that. Yeah. Amongst others, I think. Uh, amongst many other yeah. things. <laughs> Okay, so what happens in 2012, 2013? No, 2013, Chavez dies. Yeah. And then we think it's the I, end. I think it's like in two days or something. Dude, it was like March 13th or March March, March 4th, I think. I think it was a bit later. Yeah? Yeah, around, like, it's one of the first days of March, right? And I remember we were talking about it, like, what was your day? How was your day, like, like the day that Chavez died? Exactly. Where were you when Chavez died? Yeah. Yeah, yo estaba en Chacao en casa de un amigo haciendo una presentación de la Primera Guerra Mundial. Tipo estaba literalmente talking about how uh, Duke Franz Ferdinand was murdered uh, and it's it sparked the First World War. It's like this tipo I was I remember I was home, I was with my mom and my grandma and we were watching TV and I was, we were what like 11? Yeah, 11, 12. And by that time, we already had such a political notion that, like, you know, Chavez died. You feel like they're like a relief. Like, yeah. This is finally over. A lot of people got really drunk, partied, everything. It was a moment of celebration. Like, Because democratically, it was very hard for him to ever leave power. Because one, people wouldn't vote against him. And two, he would just be... He, he was able to change like the presidential period like extended and extended the amount of periods that you can have yeah so he infinitely yeah so he 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 ended the two-term presidency he made it an infinity pres- like, uh, terms and then he also went from five to six years pres- uh-huh. he, he turned that's, it from that's, four to five the, and then five to six no porque in sign ade cope it's five years with no re-election. Mm, Por eso es que, that's why it's five okay, okay. Uh-huh. then in the 1999 he, he moves it to six I don't know if you could have infinite terms or two and then he changed it later. Yeah. But the point is, democratically, it was very hard to leave. Yeah, yeah. So he dies and everyone's like, okay, now this is the, the opportunity. We have some elections with Capriles who had just lost elections against Chavez the year before. Yeah. Who goes against Maduro, who's the current president of Venezuela now. Yeah, so he, he was the, 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 heir, the, the, the heir to the, the, the Chavez's throne. Well, that's heavily debated as well. So whether he was legitimate... Or not, whether he's a puppet or not, a lot of that is debated mm-hmm. too. But he's still there. He's still there. And the one thing I remember, it's like I had a, a swimming professor, right? And he was Charita. Yeah. I remember. And my parents were speaking about it, and one time he said, "Look, even if I don't think Maduro is qualified to be in power, before dying, Chavez said that we should vote for him, and that's why I'm doing it." So, 
Charles was such a god that even after yeah. he was dead, he ruled people's political decisions into voting for him. Yeah, there were the, the, the yeah. It was a horrible. A lot of people say that the 2013 elections, the Capitalist or Maduro, were won by the opposition. Mm. I'm skeptical. I'm not sure. Uh, I wouldn't be able to know. Uh, what I do know is that the company that took uh, care of the elections, you know, uh, uh, when they had the last elections, I think it was 2020, 2019 okay. or something. Ah, uh, in Venezuela. Yeah, the last person. Uh, 2019. In the 2019 elections, um, that company got like international coverage for being a corrupt uh -huh. company and they'd been doing the elections in Venezuela for 10 years. Yeah. So, so I'm basically lean. the biggest hope that we had extinguished so. quickly very quickly and then you know 2014 is when what we know more about venezuela so we were about 13 12 we were like years six, old like fifth fifth grade i was in sixth grade yeah it's like we remember our protest like periods of time because we usually did not have class yeah entonces era como que okay temporada de protestas te acuerdas que no, en esa temporada no, no tuviste clases clase, yeah. o era un día sí otros días no So we, we, we had been primed for the online class world for a very long time, but we'd been perfecting it for like <laughs> six years. Y me acuerdo eso, 2014 fue la primera ronda de protestas. They were, I think there were a couple of deaths. No, there were, there were. There were a couple of deaths. None of them sung so much as the others later, exactly. but there were a couple of deaths. Um, I remember that my sister was like in high school, last year of high school, you know, like she was like about to graduate mm -hmm. high school. And so it was very much a time where my sister would go out and protest a little bit, but not that much. Esa fue la época de la guarimba. Ah, claro. Esa era la época de las barricadas y las guarimbas. So they would basically put, close down a street with, they, you know, they would just literally, imagine you're playing with your, like your siblings to make a wall in your room with pillows. Just take it to the street put like anything that you can find and like, make sure yeah. you create chaos. That's it, yeah. And it was the beginning of the pull a shirt up with the part Exacto. like this. So las bombas lacrimógenas. It's the beginning of las bombas lacrimógenas. Me acuerdo perfecto que mi hermana muchas veces iba al colegio y decía, mi mamá llegaba a la casa y le preguntaba, ¿te, te lanzaron bombas lacrimógenas hoy? Sí. <laughs> and it but would be, for, yeah. For us as kids, I do remember it being like, oh, protestas, I, I don't have class. It would be a happy thing. It, yeah, it would be. But it, then it was like, hmm. Claro, sí. There was always like this political awareness, which is what we were talking about before. Like the fact that we were born where we were born, one of the things that changes our brain, like, come on, yeah, disposition, it's the fact that, that we, we know about politics and we have conscience of yeah, our yeah. existence. Yeah, so, yeah. Desde, desde tercer grado, cuarto grado, I know a lot about politics. Because it, it was, they taught about, they talked to us about it in school. My, our parents always talked about it. You would listen to the news, like, Everyone was always talking about politics. Let me put it this way, in, in, a, in a, a bit of an academic way. It, it was the most direct level of our pyramid, pyramid of needs. Because mm -hmm. depending on what happened in the political, it would change our lives. Exactly. So we literally, we knew from a very young age to pay attention to it. Exactly. It's like, I, I knew who I was rooting for in an elections, and that was eight years old. Well, we, we talked about this before, and, and, and I think we... We've recorded this episode a couple of times before, <laughs> uh, but we talked about that we were a bit... Uh, so Chavez, because of all his godly power, he indoctrinated people, mm -hmm. a lot of people. That's why even after his death, people would still follow him. That's typical dictator, culture of the personality mm -hmm. stuff. But the, the, the thing that most people don't contemplate is the opposition does the exact same thing, but in reverse. They do anti-indoctrination, sí. which is in itself another form of indoctrinating people. It's saying, you know, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. It's the creation of an identity through opposition. And 
you know, it works because it's very effective in rallying people to your cause. And it works because, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a clear message. And, and part of the message is really true. Part of the message is this guy's a dictator who is oppressing us and who doesn't want us to have any of our freedoms. And he's, you know, está siendo un hijo de puta, por así decirlo. Y en verdad, parte de eso es realidad. Pero cuando te vas a Venezuela y, o cuando creces suficiente, you realize like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, that's not exactly true. Sí. Like, oh, we fucked up here, here, and here in the past. That led to Chavez. And like most people were like, no, he just stole everything and he got there. And, and creo que los primeros momentos que me pasó fue cuando me dijeron, no, Chavez, Chavez llegó a la presidencia democráticamente. Y yo, ¿cómo? No, pero no entiendo. <laughs> wasn't he evil from wasn't the he beginning? Like, wasn't he like the devil? And, uh, <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, like But a no. lot of people consider him to be the devil. Yo me acuerdo de la época, esa época, 2014 más o menos, era, eh, Minecraft was a boom. Y me acuerdo perfecto que la gente would go to the nether and they would build with like nether rock, they would build like Chavez's grave <laughs> in nether. ¿De verdad? <laughs> Te lo juro por mi vida que me acuerdo de eso demasiado. Decía, <laughs> tipo, vas a ir a la, a la, al cementerio del día de, de, de Chavez y they would go down to the nether and oh they would build God. it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that <laughs> so, so vividly. And th there's this thing like, I was, I was talking to a guy that works in politics, tipo venezolano que trabaja en política ahorita, y me dice, look, the problem with the Venezuelan opposition is that they never did politics. Politics always was, we need to take down the government. Yeah. The, the, the notion of a political proposition for us was so irrelevant, and we were so desperate to simply get rid of what we had, that perhaps political parties rarely ever had to make an effort to build a strong political campaign with something beyond, look, We're not them. Yeah, yeah, no, and and there wasn't. I think Chacao, Chac las políticas Chacao did some of that. So, you had some people that were doing some politics, but there was never uh, an uh, 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 top bottom. Uh, political campaign it was always from the bottom up like the people who were in like in the lower quadrants like the people who are starting out in politics in, in Venezuela our friends that would start to do you know um, that would start to do politics when they were younger they would do stuff but it was really small scale tough and it was to get to a higher level and they would stop claro so basically you were like okay I like him better than her then they tried to put them all together and simply all united go against La the government still didn't make it yeah alright still here till the day And we, in theory, have some elections coming ahead. And still, we have no successful enough candidate to take in a potential opportunity of facing an election. Because we've never done we haven't done politics for the past 20, yeah. 24 years. One of, the, one of the best things about living in Spain and what that has taught me is that there is something really precious about being a politician that has uh, stuff that has a resume to his name and, and or to her name in, in, in Madrid's case Isabel Ayuso independently of whether you like her politically or not uh, she's attacked a lot in Congress mm. and whenever they attack her she's like look which was the part of, of Spain that did the best during the whole crisis that we had the last three four years it was Madrid you can't say anything about my government I did well and you have to face that either you come from right or left like I did well and, and that's not something you can debate Mm -hmm. and most people shut up and it's something that the opposition has never been, been able, able to, to say. say except with a few exceptions I think there's a couple of governors sí. who did a pretty good job and look okay so uh, let's go 